0: Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On The Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show.
1: Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On The Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas.
0: the impact of his songs is felt in so many of our lives and hearts, but the story of his own journey through great love, heartbreaking loss, and fresh purpose is about to be shared in an extraordinary way. Jeremy Camp is the tremendous recording artist making his way across the land this spring with Mercy Me on the 2020 tour. He's the chief export of the state of Indiana and a new feature film based on his life comes to the screen as a major motion picture next month called I Still Believe. Jeremy. The reality is you're not too busy at all these days, right? Things are really quite peaceful for you.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. I Someone's like, so, uh, your, how's your world right now? I was like, um, how do I answer that? It's kind of a whirlwind right now. <laughs> you know what, what's actually been really amazing about this season? Because everyone's going, man, you have your wife wrote a children's book, you guys wrote a marriage book, your new album, a movie, like all this stuff happening. And I kind of sat back and like, yeah, that's a lot of stuff. But I think the reason why I don't feel overwhelmed is because it's all things that I felt like God has placed on our plate and not us. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think the biggest difference. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a lot, (laughs) but, but, uh, it's exciting, man. I'm really excited about this new season.
0: You know, you can't help but notice just looking at the band names that this 2020 tour is out of the ordinary. To have two artists that folks love to this degree together, it's really something. But for you, sharing the road and the stage together, what makes this tour so special from where you sit or stand?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. You know, one, I've I've been friends with mercy me for years. You know, we've done shows together and done stuff together in the past. And I think because of, you know, their movie and I can only imagine coming out and then now almost like a baton pass for me with my movie coming out and they've been super supportive. So it's, it's going to be like this really kind of sweet camaraderie. I think that on this tour, that's special I have two you know, bigger artists together, cheering each other on, high-fiving and passing the baton off. I think is really showing the body of Christ, the unity um, of working together. So I'm, I think it's going to be special.
0: I don't actually remember which artist it was that said this specifically, but they were touring with you and they specifically alluded to the danger of high-fiving you with some of the legendary strength that you have. It's kind of a dangerous experience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious who said that. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to
0: remember next time we speak. I will promise to do that. But <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I Still Believe uh, releases March 13th, and I was blessed to see a screening of the film, and I'd like to give you a chance to clear up something up front. The movie alleges that you did not know the difference between a washing machine and a dryer as a college student. (laughs) Can you confirm or deny those reports?
1: I kind of can confirm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I I love this movie because it's, I mean, you know, of course there's, there's difficult elements you know throughout it but like it just really portrays you know a lot of who I am and and uh it's it was fun to watch this kid KJ portray me accurately and just be so heartfelt involved in it and everybody from Gary Sinise to Shania Twain to Britt Robertson just they put their whole heart into it so it's it's pretty amazing
0: the performances are just just phenomenal I mean seriously could honestly congratulations first of all it's just a beautifully done told story the the performance of Britt Robertson as Melissa is just so winsome and earnest and KJ Appa really does bring us collegiate Jeremy Camp with gusto Gary Sinise Shania Twain is your parents I mean (laughs) it's ridiculous even as you just read the list but I imagine it must be a joy to know that not only is this story being told but it's being brought to life in the most high quality way that it really could be
1: well, I think that's the key. And I think I can only imagine really help bolster that. And I'm kind of, you know, this movie is receiving the benefits of that is that, you know, it, you have Lionsgate who is a major motion picture studio in Hollywood that is so behind this and they are putting everything into it. And I think for me, it's amazing because my heart is to reach the lost. And the fact that here we are people that probably will never step foot in a church or haven't stepped foot in the church before we'll go through this movie and they're going to hear about Jesus and they're going to see that he's the, the hope and he's the answer and he's the way. And so I think for me, that's the most exciting thing.
0: Mr. Jeremy camp is with us today on faith radios on the road. Uh, the tremendous recording artist making his way across the land this spring with his friends of mercy me on the 2020 tour. He's the chief export of the state of Indiana and in the new feature <laughs> film based on his life is coming to the screen as a major motion picture next month called i still believe so the film depicts just so well this heartwarming love story between you and melissa your first wife then comes a stunning diagnosis then we take a journey with you through healing through joy then through loss your loss of melissa and really at that point we see you grappling with some of life's deepest why questions when the chance to have this movie made came about what did you really hope that it could, and it would convey?
1: You know, we all are going to experience trials and tribulations in this world. I mean, Jesus even said it. He said, "You know, I said these things that you'll have peace in this world. You're going to face trials of many kinds, but I take heart; I've overcome the world." And you know, I think the I'm hoping this will convey is that the re, what got me through um, this battle and this hardship and this trial was Jesus running to him got me through it. Even though I had my wrestles, I had my battles, but when I finally surrendered to him and finally surrendered to just going, okay, God, no matter what, I still trust you. I still believe you're still good. I think that's when things started changing. And and I hope that is portrayed that, you know, we're all going to face hardships, but Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the peace. He's the hope. He's everything we need. And that's the the heart's
0: desire behind this. I mean, it really is sort of the most groundbreaking and pioneering declaration that the film makes, you know, that yeah. even even when the hope for healing is not realized, you know, even when right. the greatest pain and the greatest loss occurs, that there's still hope. And we see you struggle with that in the film. I mean, it's such an emotional, I mean, just we watched it in the room. I was just tears streaming down everybody's faces, yeah. but take us back into that time just a little bit. How did God speak to you? How did you find the strength to pick up that guitar again and, and find hope once again?
1: You know, honestly, there was just a, I think one good thing that people don't kind of grapple with or don't understand is that it's okay to have those feelings, those questions. You know, when you start questioning God and, and that's, a, that's a different story. But when you're going, like Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, there's there is there a moment of just going, oh, you know, and the father couldn't look upon because the sin replaced upon um, his son and yeah. it's he he's a holy God he couldn't look upon that and so there was this moment of like ah. but Jesus said right away but I surrender I, into, my, into my hands I commit my spirit you know and basically not my will but your will be done God and so I I think for me there's just a point of just going it's okay to grapple with those things and to battle and to wrestle and to. but there's a point where you have to surrender and I think that I finally got to the point where God just spoke to my heart and said you know pick your guitar up you know and through just you know, thinking about my life and all that, pick my guitar up and God gave me a song called I Still Believe, just going, here's my questions, here's the hurts, here's the, you know, confusions, but I still believe in your faithfulness. I still believe in your truth. I still believe in your word. Even when I cannot see, I still believe. And that's what came out. And it's just through his, his spirit and through, you know, his faithfulness. It's not anything where I'm like, I'm this great man of faith, you know, that (laughs) I was able to, you know, it's, it's him completely. He was my refuge. He was my shield, my rock, everything. And so I just ran to him and he gave me what I needed to endure and walk through this
0: the way the music has just been this incredible thread throughout your life continues in the last portion of the film and and certainly not to give too much away at all but really the path that you walked to your wife today adrian also a tremendous yeah. musician yeah. is is paved through this whole all this tragedy and all this loss talk a little bit about the healing you found through music and how that path uh, led you to adrian
1: yeah, you know, a lot of what I wrote after that was just very honest, transparent lyrics of what I was going through, things that I was learning, and, you know, I think because of that, I, I would share from stage a lot of my story and share what was going on, and it really ministered to Adrian, and, you know, at one point, as we were on, you know, tour together, she, you know, kind of was like, man, I listening to, tell me more about Melissa, I want to hear more about Melissa, and it wasn't like she was, you know, trying to, you know, go out with me, or I wasn't trying to date her. It wasn't that at all. It's actually more just out of interest of, hey, I want to hear more about Melissa, because her life and what I've heard is really ministered to me. And so we just became friends. And that kind of led to, you know, just talking through things and going, Oh, my goodness, I think I and this is like a couple of years, you know, later, like, Oh, my goodness, I think I'm, you know, in love with this girl, you know, and it was one of those God things, because I had that feeling of going, I can't do this. I felt guilty. Like I can't do this. And God saying, I'm giving you this Receive my blessing. And it's like, Oh my word. And so that's just how faithful God has been. And the whole thing,
0: the major motion picture, I still believe coming to a theater near you, March the 13th, the 2020 tour headed out across the fruited plain this spring you can find more when you look for tour and film at jeremycamp.com and jeremy sir what a lovely conversation so great to be with you today and thank you so much for your time i know it is at a premium lately thanks ron i appreciate you buddy
1: the scattered words and empty thoughts seem to pour from my heart i've never felt so torn below. I don't know where to start But it's now That I feel You graceful like rain From every fingertip Washing away your
0: Believe. so we get the chance this week to shine the spotlight on another extraordinary life this one really the stuff of legend except it's all true cory ten boom was the brave watchmaker's daughter who endured the concentration camps of the second world war because she and her family had the courage to reach out and shield the jews of occupied holland Writer Stan Guthrie has authored a fresh look at her story and inspires us to learn from it today. His great new book is Victorious, Cory Ten Boom, and The Hiding Place. And Stan is editor-at-large for the Colson Center for Christian Worldview and a former editor and writer for Christianity Today. Welcome aboard, Stan. How's it going on this fine day, sir? I am having
2: a pleasant day. I'm looking out my window and uh, seeing uh, the snowflakes begin to fall here in Chicagoland again. We've had uh, 22 snows now this winter, but none of them have been too bad, and we haven't yet dropped below zero, so I think we can count our blessings.
0: Well, sir, it just becomes clear in the pages of this great book that you you really wanted to reintroduce this story to a new generation that might know Corey Ten Boom quotes these epic quotes about faith and forgiveness (laughs) but not really know her story all that well why were you so passionate to do that what is it about this one remarkable life that resonates for us across the years
2: well first I have to make a confession and that is that I was one of those people who was well acquainted with the outlines of her story and knew many of her quotes and uh, you know it's kind of like uh when you pick up a few Bible stories in Sunday school about Jonah and, uh, you know, the whale or whatever, and you don't have the whole outline of what happened, of I was kind of that guy. and I. But I knew that Corey was basically a modern Protestant saint, and when I was asked to do this book, I thought, okay, well... Uh, this is a book that people are going to read. I better get this one right. So <laughs> I, was <laughs> I was very uh, careful, and I, I was providentially blessed. Uh, you mentioned to me off the air that uh, your, your station uh, was started by Billy Graham. Well, yes. I happen to live near Wheaton, Illinois, uh... and uh, there's the Billy Graham Center there on the campus of Wheaton College, and they have a section called uh, the archives, the Billy Graham Archives, And so, I mean, talk about Providential, there are hundreds and hundreds of pages of uh, documentation from Corey's life and ministry. And so I was able to dig into a lot of that material and uh, discover things that I think had been kind of forgotten or never known about her.
0: So if we're going to know one piece of Corey's story, it's probably going to be that she was imprisoned in a concentration camp during the Second World War. But what was it that got her there, sir?
2: Well, she got into a concentration camp because she and her family uh, were hiding Jewish people during the Nazi occupation of the Netherlands during the Second World War. And uh, they hid them. They hid probably about 80 people over the course of uh, two years. And uh, they were turned in by an informant uh, to the Gestapo. And uh, she, her father, and her sister. And another sister were sent off to to a prison. The father um, died in the first week at that prison, which Corey didn't find out till uh, months and months later. Her other sister was released. Noli was released, and her uh, older sister Betsy, who appears often in the book, uh, died in uh, the concentration camp, the Ravensbruck concentration camp. That was the third place that they had been uh, moved to. Uh, yeah. Just really weeks before uh, Corey was released through a clerical error at the end of 1944.
0: Perhaps the most enduring message of all is the call to forgive Uh, this (laughs) incredible strength that she has to find forgiveness for the very guards that held her there in the camps as you, you know, refreshed your, your mind and your heart with her story. What did you discover as you revisited the story, just about how she was able to find the strength to do that?
2: The thing that I, that I really noticed when I was uh, digging into Corey's life was the fact that she's really much like you and me. I mean, she was not a uh, superhuman person. She was not uh, uh, given more uh, spiritual power than we have, but she had been, um, how shall I say it? She had been prepared through decades of service and ministry of disappointments and successes of training. And um, so when the time came, she was able to draw on those rich resources of faith and uh, fortitude to be able to, to make it through these, these awful times. But she was, but she was far from perfect. And you'll see that in the book. I mean, she had a, a really, a pretty strong temper. And, uh, there was a scene that was, uh, uh, portrayed in the hiding place. I, I recapped in, in my book where, um, one of the, uh, one of the guards at Ravensbrook was mocking her sister Betsy and was actually, uh, uh, whipping her because, uh, Betsy was na- unable to keep up with the work and Corey picked up a shovel and she was going to go at the guard when she wasn't looking and, uh, Betsy restrained her. I'm not sure exactly how Betsy restrained her because she was so weak, but, uh, and, and those kind of character issues she had to deal with, uh, You know, for all of her adult life, and she lived a very long and productive life, but she was far from perfect.
0: One of the things that I hadn't realized before reading the book and and reading up on the story just a little bit more is we may never have known the story of the 10 booms were it not for something that Betsy, Corey's sister, said to her, Stan, that they must tell others what had happened. Mm -hmm. That really seems to have been the initial driving force that led to Corey traveling the world, the book, and, and eventually the film. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what was the precipitating uh, factor that drove her really from the Netherlands to the United States and eventually to 60 countries. I, as, I, as I studied it, I saw that her reception of her message was much less in the Netherlands than it was in the United States. Uh, the evangelicals, the Christians in our country, were really primed for it for a number of reasons, and they and they started supporting her financially early on. I mean, this was a a fifty-something Dutch woman who had very few contacts, but she really felt called to go overseas. And I think one of her first uh, stops was New York City, and uh, she was basically, you know, looking for someone to invite her to to speak about what had just happened, you know, a couple of years before. So she started in a very modest way, and it grew organically uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, word of mouth, that kind of thing. And uh, so now she's a still a household name, <laughs> even decades after her death.
0: It's a beautiful truth. And you, you mentioned it just a few moments ago, but you focus a good bit on the courage that it took to start actively helping these Jewish folks that were in such danger right. there in Holland in the Nazi regime. And I mean, we know that's courageous just from what we know about the history. But when you consider the fact that the regime that had taken power, this Nazi regime was able to do so in a country in Germany that was so well educated and that was so religiously literate and that so many People that, that really knew all of this did nothing out of the fear of what would happen to them. I mean, this was this was an act of incredible courage.
2: It was, and yet um, the the resistance movement. I think there was probably around fifty or sixty thousand people who were involved in the underground movement in the wow. Netherlands, and that's uh, you know that's a sizable. You could fill a stadium with it. Yes, you could. And many many of those people were were Christians. And uh, one of the most interesting things that I found in my research for this book, Ryan, is the fact that interest in the Jews was really rekindled a hundred years before uh, the Gestapo knocked at Corey's door. Um, there was a, a Jewish man; he was an intellectual and a poet. His name was Isaac de Costa, and he was reading the prophecies of Isaiah and other things in the Hebrew scriptures. And he realized that Jesus was his Messiah and he became a believer. And not only did he uh, spur sort of a a reawakening to the Bible as the uh, word of God, he also uh, focused the larger church on the need to reach out to the Jewish people. And one of the early people who came on board with him and founded something called the Society for Israel was Willem Ten Boom, who actually was Corey's grandfather. And so he taught all his children, you know, God's love for the Jews and uh, Christian responsibility to them, and that was passed on to her father, Casper, who passed it on to his family. So it was just a matter of course uh, by the time, uh, you know, a decision had to be made. They didn't suddenly say, oh, we need to protect these Jewish people that we've heard about. They loved them and loved them for decades, and Casper uh, Ten Boom, her father, was uh, well-loved and, and regarded in the Jewish com- community, and he had a reputation for speaking about the Bible with them and sitting down and reading the Torah with them, and, it, you know, it's just an amazing story, but it didn't just happen overnight. The, the roots had to be planted deep so that uh, they were all ready for what would happen.
0: It makes so much sense when you describe it that way. And of course, so much of what you write really is a call to learn from the life that Corey lived and the 10 booms and really applications we can draw and implement in our lives today. And I wonder those two things specifically, the courage to act on what you know is right and the fact that God was able to so mightily use someone who was so deeply good but not perfect. What are some of the tentacles that you draw us toward in those two things
2: well when you talk about the courage to act um the first thing that comes to mind is just the fact that am any semitism is still with us um you know whether it's uh, members of congress who indulge in that or uh, uh various countries that have that uh you know, it, it, you know we've had numerous attacks on synagogues in this country in the last several years and uh I think we Christians bear a special responsibility um, to uh, stand with the Jewish people, not only because of our biblical link, but because, unfortunately, of historical Christian anti-Semitism, which I cover just a little bit in the book, and say that, you know, whether or not we personally would have done it, our Christian heritage is mixed inextricably with a lot of horrible anti-Semitic acts. And so um, I think we bear a, a special responsibility to let our Jewish friends and neighbors know that we we stand with them. And, and you know, that that requires courage even now, not not to the extent uh, that Corey and her family had to face. But, you know, you're invested in the little things before you have to face the big things. You know, he who is faithful in little is also faithful in much. So let's start building our uh, our courageous muscles now while we you know still have the freedom to do so.
0: There it is. That is a great call for us. And of course, time goes swiftly when you're talking about something that is that is so deeply important and just uh, such a great book. It's called Victorious. Cory Ten Boom in the Hiding Place. Mr. Stan Guthrie, the author and editor at large for the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, former editor and writer for Christianity Today, the blog stan.guthrie.com. A lot of great words. There from Stan Uh, Sir we don't want to go anywhere Before we talk about where to go To pick up a copy of the book And learn more about you Well
2: thanks very much Uh, You can go to my website For information about me uh, StanGuthrie.com You can also go to Amazon Or ChristianBook.com Or anywhere you buy a book You can ask for Victorious Corey ten Boom In the Hiding Place And and they can help you
0: Wherever fine books are sold
2: (laughs) Exactly
0: (laughs) Uh, Sir Just a tremendous achievement. Congratulations on the book. Love the history. Love the incredible, really, applications we can draw today. Thank you so much for talking about it with us today.
2: Thank you so much, Ryan. Have a great day.
1: Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com.
0: Thanks so much for listening to On The Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On The Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.